This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app. You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpaths. That's paths with an S. Hi, and welcome to the Thanks for Sharing podcast. I'm Jackie P. I'm John T. So today it's just the two of us. Um, we are going to be discussing the three circle sobriety plan. Yeah. And we want to spend, for most people, if they're in recovery, um, they're familiar with this. But for if you're not, we'll kind of do a brief overview. But we want to spend a lot of time talking about the outer circle because I don't know that that gets the traction that it deserves. And I think it's really where the money's quote unquote made in right. recovery. Like it's, it's where, where the, the long term results are going to be yielded from, I think. Yeah. 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 So the three circles, unless I'm remembering wrong, it comes from SAA, Sex Addicts Anonymous. Yes. Although I think that Patrick Carnes will say he did not, like he borrowed it from somewhere else. Okay. But I think that fellowship mm-hmm. really uses as a, a part mm-hmm. as their recovery. So it's used the most in that fellowship, mm-hmm. although he didn't create it. And they, uh, I think SAA kind of has a lockdown on it. Like I know in Carnes's books, whenever he talks three circles, mm-hmm. he can't talk about it in the SAA language. Like right. They're pretty protective yes. of it. Um, and it's, it's one of my favorite approaches to outlining your sobriety plan mm-hmm. because it's so accessible and it's so visual mm-hmm. um, and it's ever evolving. Right. So it consists of these three concentric circles. If you think of like a bullseye mm-hmm. or, you know, that kind of, yeah, that's what you're looking at. Yeah. So you have the small circle <clears throat> in the middle and that's the bottom line or the relapse circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so within that circle, you would write specific behaviors that are, that constitute relapse for you. Right. If you engage in those behaviors, uh, your sobriety date changes. Mm-hmm. And it's really important that those are behaviors because it has to be observable and it has to be measurable. Mm-hmm. Like there can't be... <clears throat> a gray area with your your relapse circle. Mm-hmm. Um, the next circle out, um, I've heard it called the boundary circle. I've heard it called the middle circle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Other names for it. Um, that is where you list behavior that while it doesn't constitute relapse, mm-hmm. it's concerning. Like it needs mm-hmm. to become a red flag for you when I'm engaged in this behavior. For us, we've, um, we've, we got permission and we kind of did our own graphic on this three circle. So for us, that inner circle is, has a background color of red and the middle circle has the yellow mm-hmm. kind of just that stoplight. And then that outer circle is a green circle. Mm-hmm. So again, just getting that visual that, you know, it's not a red light, it's not a green mm-hmm. light, but it is the yellow. Yeah. I always tell my clients yellow means slow down and make a careful choice about right. what you're going to do next. Or like yellow means, uh, things could, could switch very quickly. Mm-hmm. So again, kind of that slow down, mm-hmm. be cautious. This isn't relapse, but this is either going to move you closer to relapse or further away from mm-hmm. relapse. Mm-hmm. So in the yellow circle, you'll list behaviors, <clears throat> emotions, thought patterns, situations, situations that indicate that you're not on the most stable of recovery ground. Right. And what we're trying to do there as you get familiar with that middle circle, right, is that your brain becomes aware before you're already in the fire. Mm-hmm. So your brain is saying, hey, this was a behavior that we put in that middle circle and we're supposed to, our radar is supposed to light up at this point. Mm-hmm. 
um, versus our radar lights up after we've engaged in middle circle behavior. Mm -hmm. I would say for most of the people that I work with, um, middle circle is something that develops with their awareness and with their sobriety. Mm -hmm. Um, It's always exciting to me to watch somebody like how fine-tuned they can get in that middle Mm -hmm. circle and what they start relating to relapse that they hadn't when they first started Mm -hmm. coming to therapy, when they first started working on sobriety. Um, A personal example of mine of middle circle behavior, um, I don't remember when I identified this, um, but when I would skip meals in -hmm. favor of work, like Mm. that is one of the most reliable predictors that I'm headed into chaos. Okay. Um, And so that's something that, you know, for the last several years I've really monitored and I've really made sure that I was managing and that I had food to eat and I had Uh a plan around eating instead of just working through. Um, And it's been really interesting to see how much chaos that has reduced just by attending to that one middle circle behavior. Uh And so that middle circle um, where, where we want it to be some building awareness, it's also almost this behavioral plan. Like um, if I can keep myself at some distance or in some responsible space with those behaviors there's a lot of chaos that I'm curtailing Uh and there's a lot of um, there's a lot of chaos that's just not happening because I'm I'm stopping the pattern before it gets further down the road yeah I also like I was saying I'll I'll use examples of like maybe a situation or like I became aware many years ago that January for me was a triggering month Mm a I mean January here in Utah is not that beautiful unless you're up on in the mountains above the inversion and the pollution and all the yuck and who has time and money for that right (laughs) so um so but i also started to recognize you know between um thanksgiving like so the end of november through december i was spending so much time with my family of origin Mm -hmm. and a lot of emotions got activated right or i would go into old roles that no longer served me Mm -hmm. and and created harm for me right so there was a lot that got activated that then in january i would even though i had set a resolution to lose weight i tended to eat crappy Mm -hmm. or i tended to spend money that i wasn't like I had just done Christmas, right? Like Mm -hmm. I did not need to spend money, but I would sometimes like just irresponsibly spend in January. And I had to recognize that like January is a middle circle Mm -hmm. item for me. And I had to be aware and really take time to kind of nourish myself and uh, refuel myself from all of that energy that was spent November through December. Mm -hmm. So that would have gone in my, that would go in my middle circle behavior that January, like I got to be aware of January yeah, and any other Januaries in my life that might pop up, right? Like right. situations like that where I get depleted. I think key relationships are also pretty important to track mm-hmm. in your middle circle. Um, I've, I've had this growing sense of awareness of um, feelings that come up for me in relation to certain relationships um, that I hadn't had before. And now with that awareness, it's almost like clockwork. Like mm. I'll tell myself like, oh, it's not going to happen this time because <laughs> I'm aware. But it happens every time. Mm. Like the feelings in the body, the aftermath of that. So in your middle circle, you're also going to want to look at key relationships and mm-hmm. the impact that they have on mm-hmm. you. Um, and that doesn't mean the reason why there's a middle circle and it's not just this green and red or black and white is because there is a lot of middle ground. Like 
there's some growth edges to be had in leaning into those Januaries right. or leaning into those um, relationships. Or, or like go, going through January, but doing it mindfully, right? right? Which is a way of leaning into it. Mm-hmm. So we're not saying, you know, like you just go from December to February, which is impossible, mm-hmm. or you just cut out these key relationships or you don't engage mm-hmm. with family around the holidays, but that you have a plan mm-hmm. and an awareness going into it versus I get into it and then mm-hmm. I'm reacting. You slow down and you make a careful choice about what you're right. going to do. Um, and that's where I've seen clients have a lot of growth when it comes to their triggers. And even when it comes to a lot of their bottom line behaviors is the way they start interacting with that yellow circle and that middle circle. Um, it either, like if they're interacting skillfully and mindfully, uh-huh. um, I see them build a lot of competency. I see them build mm. a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, empowerment. Yeah. I was going to just say along with empowerment, I think self-compassion starts Mm -hmm. to develop and empathy both for themselves and for others begins to Mm -hmm. increase. Mm -hmm. But we have to be real about that. Um, you know, just because you're a firefighter does not mean you're going to rush into every burning building and be just fine. Right. Um, and so you, you really want, you, we use that yellow circle to really evaluate, what's the necessity of me being here, going there, doing this? And uh-huh. when that is necessary, um, what are the tools and the skills I need to take with myself? Right. What accountability do I need? Yeah. What kind of support do I need there? One of the things that I'll find with clients sometimes as we're working on that middle circle um, is we're running into old rules that have really deeply been ingrained in them. Um, mm-hmm. And so it it um, interferes with our ability to really look at and consider options Mm -hmm. because they don't feel like they have options. Like I have Mm -hmm. to do this. Me saying I'm not going to that isn't an option, right? Mm -hmm. So we may have to run into that and work on that. But again, we need that kind of rooted out. And Mm -hmm. the middle circle helps us to do that and root out kind of what are the barriers Mm -hmm. and, and what are the things that push us into relapse. Yeah. And here I'll invoke that prayer of the perfectionist as you're listening to this and hearing about relationships and situations and rules and things like that. If you're listening to this and saying, I don't even know where to start with that. Don't start with that. Right. Um, I think the yellow circle start with taking a deep breath. Right, right. That that yellow circle is a laboratory, and it's going to evolve. This three circles document is a living, breathing, you're mm-hmm. going to make adjustments to mm-hmm. it. So it may be as simple as right now, um, you know, if, if you're struggling with internet pornography, let's say, the yellow circle may be when I'm on the, my yellow circle behavior is on the computer in the privacy of my home. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a dangerous place for me. Right. Um, or it may be um, calling somebody um, because I'm lonely. Mm-hmm. Like that can be a yellow circle behavior. So right. Or you, like um, not attending meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, something like that. And, and again, when, when we start with our clients on this, we're not overwhelming. Right? right. Because like you said, it's a living, breathing document. We start with a few items, Mm -hmm. two, three, something that we can really track and Mm -hmm. have success at. You've talked in the past about um, whacking the gator closest to the boat. Yeah. Um, And I think here, like, that's what this yellow circle is for. It's to hold what are the most critical items for me to look at. And you can't hold five critical items at once. You can hold one to three. Right. So assessing kind of where you are, not where you'd like to be. Mm -hmm. And then based on where you are, what are the two or three items Mm -hmm. that would help you Mm -hmm. 
you know, make progress from there. Yeah. It was interesting. A, a client I worked with uh, a few years ago, um, we were working on an overall sobriety plan and she was having a really difficult time getting traction in sobriety. And so we started to look at the yellow circle and, you know, there was a list of 150 things that needed to go in there. And the one thing that she could identify was most critical and that she felt like she could do something about was to have a no contact period with her abusive father. Mm. Um, and so we cleared everything else out of the yellow circle, um, metaphorically speaking. And I said, this is all I want you to focus on is just mm. giving yourself 90 days of no contact with him and see how that feels and see what that does. And so she did. And, um, it was probably halfway through the 90 days, like boundaries started clicking for her mm. in all of her relationships. This clarity around the abuse that she was accepting from employers, from neighbors, from boyfriends, like all that, it just started clicking. Mm. Um, and she got to the end of that 90 days and um, like what looked like a big mountain to climb in the beginning. She's like, this is just where I live now. Mm -hmm. I don't do contact with my dad. My life is so much less chaotic with that. And then from there now in her yellow circle, she has like two or three behaviors that she's tracking and has success with. Um, And you just start with what you can do. Start with something that's attainable. Like you'd said, it's really important that you can have success in Mm -hmm. working with those middle circle behaviors. Mm -hmm. And that, and that's where we will tell our clients, like we have an abundance of copies of these mm-hmm. three circles. Mm-hmm. So if, if we need to kind of set this three circle plan aside mm-hmm. and come up with one, one, because this issue has surfaced, we do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so it's, it's just like you said, it's a living, breathing document. Mm-hmm. It gets to change. Now, sometimes <clears throat> just for a minute, let's talk about that inner circle. The idea ultimately is that that inner circle never changes. Mm-hmm. However, we've both had with clients where we do a like, okay, th- the inner circle right here, it isn't going to stay this way forever, right. but it is where it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so again, don't get rigid and stuck mm-hmm. because that'll mire you down and, and prevent success. Yeah, no, I've, I've had with that inner circle, I've had clients before who, they wanted masturbation to be part of a healthy sex plan for them. Um, but initially could feel that when I engage in this, like my addict brain kicks in and I don't have that separated right uh-huh. now. So for a 90 day period, masturbation was in the red circle yeah. and that wasn't to punish themselves. And that wasn't to say like, Oh, every time I go here, I'm a horrible person. It was when I go here, I need to pay really close attention to what's going on. Like mm. I am not anywhere near mindfulness when I'm mm-hmm. here. Um, and so again, after that 90 days, they get some breathing room and then we start moving, uh, like we, we move masturbation out of the, the inner circle and we moved it into the healthy sex plan and we worked on incorporating that. Mm -hmm. Um, or that may look like, right. Masturbation moves from that inner circle into the middle circle. And in the mm -hmm. middle circle, it looks like, um, mindful, mindlessness, Mm -hmm. masturbation or, Mm -hmm. um, masturbating just to numb mm-hmm. or to escape, right? That mm-hmm. That is too addictive-like, mm-hmm. but that's how it looks in the middle circle. And that's that brings up one of the things that I really love about the three-circle approach to sobriety is it's not a sobriety definition that somebody else hands to you. Right. Um, and some people really respond to that and they need that and that works well for them and that's great. Um, there's a lot of people who I, I believe because our sexuality is really varied and our expressions of sexuality needs to be individualized, individualized and, and varied. 
for a lot of people, a rigid definition of sobriety that they didn't come up with doesn't work for them. Right. Um, and so I, I well, love... it also doesn't get them owning and mm-hmm. into their own sobriety. Mm-hmm. And so I, I love the three circles method as it's putting something on paper and it's saying, this is what I will be accountable to. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of my clients, that's where they start making promises to themselves that they start to keep, Mm -hmm. which is a brand new thing for them. Right. Um, I think that we've covered inner and middle circle Mm -hmm. pretty well. Um, Like we said, we wanted to spend the bulk of the time talking about the outer circle. Right. The yes list. Yeah. So um, the idea or the thinking behind this middle circle, or this, not the middle circle, the three circle sobriety plan is based on some philosophy. I don't really know if it's I It's probably Buddhist. Yeah. <laughs> Buddhist, Tibetan, I don't I don't know, right? But some wise philosophy. Something enlightened and mindful. Right? That says um in order to say no, you need to know what the yes means. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea. You may be hearing that and thinking, wait, what did she just say? So it's that in order to say no, you have to know what yes is, Mm -hmm. which again, what that yes circle, that outer circle is, is geared at doing is saying, I'm creating a meaningful, spiritual, um, connected life. Mm -hmm. And so it's easier for me to say no to the things that don't fulfill me. I, I think there's always, whenever there's empty space, something has to move into there. Mm-hmm. I, I just think that's how we're wired. And so the no's are great. Like we need to clear that ground. Um, it's just like, you know, I, I use a gardening metaphor here. It's just like when I weed my flower beds, um, if I'm not planting something there to take up the nutrients and the sunlight and the space, guess what's going to grow back? Right. The weeds. Those dang seeds that get planted from the weeds blowing around. And it's cultivation of those plants is actually a very effective weed barrier. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm keeping what I want to grow there healthy and attended to, um, weeds don't grow in um, loose soil that's nutrient rich. They right. grow in really compacted nutrient less soil. Right, right. Um, and so that yes list is kind of that, what am I going to feel? What am I going to fill the void with? Uh-huh. And again, early in recovery, it may be very um, behaviorally based. Uh-huh. It may be very simple. Like I'm going to say no to cruising for someone to hook up with on a Friday night. And I'm going to say yes to going to a Friday night meeting. Mm. Um, it may look like I'm going to say no to um entertaining quote unquote entertaining myself with the internet where I usually fall into pornography and I'm going to say yes to, um, reading recovery material. Mm-hmm. Um, but if that's where your yes circle stays, I've, I've had a lot of clients recently come in and they'll talk about their experience in 12 steps. And one, one recently talked about an experience with a sponsor and he said, my sponsor's 18 months sober and it's clear he knows how to get sober. Like that's why I asked him to be my sponsor But he was telling me a story the other day that he was at the gym and this gym he'd been going to for six months and a neighbor of his stopped him and said, hey, I've seen you coming here for six months and you've never said hi to me. So the sponsor was telling this guy, I didn't even see that he was there because everywhere I walk, I'm looking at my shoes because I don't want to look up and be triggered by Mm. somebody, especially at the gym. And this guy that I was working with, he said, if that's what sobriety means, I don't want it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think a lot of times we get really good at that no, uh-huh. and we don't know what the yes is. Well, and, and I was just thinking of that, too. If, if we're only focused on the inner and the middle circle, um, sobriety looks somewhat rigid. Well, and it's 
it's totally undesirable <laughs> if my whole yeah. life is the I can't and I'm I just won't. looking down at my feet in the sidewalk. Right. Like that does not sound like a meaningful life. And yeah. <clears throat> and so sometimes when I'm starting to work on that outer circle with clients, I'll say to them, like, what gets you excited? Mm-hmm. Right? Not the internet kind of excitement. I always tell my clients, what can you say hell yes to? Mm, yeah. So I, again, it's that, you know, and, and we may not start with, um, what have you wanted to try but been afraid to? Mm-hmm. We'll get there, mm-hmm. right? And taking new chances and taking some risk because there's some built in. I mean, that's that is how some of the pleasure centers in our brain work. Mm-hmm. That we tried something different, the novelty, yeah, and we were nervous and we were <clears throat> anxious about it, and it paid off. And and pleasure goes crazy in our brain with that. We may start with you know with some of my clients. They're like, well, I used to do this, right? Mm-hmm. And they and some of that in that outer circle initially, they start to recognize the real cost of their addiction and mm-hmm. how much they gave up. Mm-hmm. Right? One of the questions that I I will love to ask clients sometimes and and I'll get, you know, varied responses, but they usually are along the line of somewhere like, "Oh, that just hurts me to think mm-hmm. of that answer," which is if you were to go back and tell your 7-year-old self what you as an adult stopped doing, what, like what would make them sad to learn that you, mm-hmm. you stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes we're, we're reintroducing ourselves to other parts that we forgot about, that the addiction kind of killed off, that we never fully developed. That makes me think of where Dr. Carnes talks about the addictive neural pathways mm-hmm. and how we harness those in recovery. So we reconnect with passion, Mm. we reconnect with calming, we Mm -hmm. reconnect with focus. And even in that that yes circle, like saying no to something can be part of a yes when we're going without for a higher purpose. Right. Like I'm going to say yes to, um, so so for example, in in my life, I recently, um, well, I shouldn't say recently, I finally came around to the realization that having a screen right by my bedside was disruptive to so many things. Mm. Like it was disruptive to sleep. It was disruptive to my connecting with my spouse before I went to bed. So I moved my charging station into my, my home office. Mm. Um, I got a, um, simple alarm clock and I got a white noise machine cause I sleep with white noise. Mm. And so I don't have anything to turn on in the middle of the night, to turn on while I'm going to sleep, like no screens. Um, one of the things, so I'm, I'm saying no to that, but what that has opened up the room for is I now keep a, like a hard copy, an actual book, paper mm-hmm. copy of a book, something fiction, something that's fun to read. I keep mm-hmm. that by my bedside. Um, and I'm loving getting into those stories. I'm loving reading things that mm-hmm. have always been on my list. And I'm astounded at how much time I would spend there on a screen. Right. Um, and so sometimes that yes includes a no, like I'm saying no to this to make room for this. Yes. Right. And that's that when Carnes talks about deprivation and in recovery, we do the ascetic going Uh out for a higher purpose. Right. That can be a big, there's something I want more. Mm -hmm. And so I'm willing to say no. And it doesn't feel so much like the deprivation because Mm -hmm. I know the meaning behind the no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so as, as you, get started and as you move along in your guest list, you'll see that it will get more, I don't want to say complex. It'll get more meaningful. It'll get deeper. Right. Um, Rob Weiss, who we had on the, the podcast a few months ago, he talks about how in your yes list, you need to include your dreams, mm. your aspirations and the promises that you want recovery to fulfill for you. Mm. Um, so the yes list may not just be 
behaviors or relationships or things like that. Mm -hmm. It can be like, I want my recovery to bring me peace of mind. Well, and I tell clients it needs to be varied, Mm -hmm. right? Because if it's not varied, um, it becomes boring Mm -hmm. or it becomes routine, which is also, it becomes boring for the brain, Mm -hmm. right? So the brain is not stimulated by that anymore. Um, And so I'll sometimes remind clients, you know, um, you're an emotional, physical, sexual, spiritual, social being. Mm -hmm. And how are you accounting for that in your yes circle, right? Mm -hmm. Is there some balance for all of those parts of you as a whole person? Or are you just like, I go running? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's addressing that physical aspect. But what about your emotional aspect? What are you doing for that? Mm-hmm. What about your spiritual, right? And and it can be, we may have to do a whole episode on this or maybe a series. Here we go. I'm um, taking notes. But that I, I find for a lot of clients as we start to look at what is the yes sexually look like, um, people get a little scared about that or skittish about that um, because... While we live, I would say, while we live in a very um, sexual society, very sexual, um, it's available, it's accessible, it's out there, right? We don't live in kind of that Victorian era approach to sexuality anymore, but we are not very sexually mature. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of access to sex, we have a lot of sex out there, but we still have a very immature skill set to approach that with. And part of maturing our skill set involves knowing yourself as a sexual being Mm -hmm. and being able to own that. Mm -hmm. Um, Alex Kedhakis has some really good resources for that in her book, Erotic Intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I think one of my favorite, um, I forget what she calls it in the book, but in in her other book, um, uh, what's the, what's the daily meditation? Mirror of Intimacy. Mirror of Intimacy. Um, one of the healthy sex acts she talks about uh-huh. in erotic intelligence is um, finding clothing and wearing clothing that you feel sexy in mm. and you know you're sexy mm-hmm. in. Um, like those are some of the components of the sex yeses yes. that we totally overlook. That don't just have to do with this rigid idea about mm-hmm. intercourse or oral sex mm-hmm. or something like that, that it actually expands mm-hmm. sex and lets us as a sexual being grow and develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that's a really, really important part to develop and explore in your yes list in um, the Recovery Start Kit by Patrick Carnes. I think it's in his 90-day prep book yeah, yeah. in there where he has um, he has a three circles thing, but on the outside he has 12 dimensions of positive mm-hmm. sexuality. And I love how he explores and, and talks about all the different components that go into positive sexuality mm-hmm. and how most of the daily practice has nothing to do with intercourse. Right. Um, like there's nurturing as part of that knowledge, relationships, comfort, comfort, spirituality, passion. Mm-hmm. Um, so your yes list, um, when I draw this out for clients, I try to make the inner circle as tiny as possible. Mm-hmm. I try to make the middle circle um, reasonable but small, and that yes list I want to take up as much space as possible mm-hmm. because that's where our recovery needs to be weighted. Right. Um, we, we need to have much more focus on what do I get to say yes to now that my life is not consumed right. by addiction. Well, because then that leads us to understand that living in recovery is a rich experience, mm-hmm. right? And it's abundant. Mm-hmm. And the other was very constrictive. Mm-hmm. Living in addiction is a constrictive way to mm-hmm. live life. Um, 
yeah, so I love that visual of just having that yes circle take up most of the space because Mm -hmm. we're saying, and clients will probably feel that too. Like if they don't have a lot to put in that, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of holes in your life. Yeah. And addiction can easily fill those holes, but maybe not be satisfying. Well, and, and that's one of the, like there's growth edges in each of those circles. And in the yes list, like I think we get to recovery and when we get stable, we start to realize our life is a pretty barren landscape. Uh-huh. Like we don't even like to look at it because we haven't attended to it. Right. Um, we have maybe approached work or our professional life impulsively and we've tried to climb ladders or build paychecks as fast as possible our relationships we've kind of possessed but never really mm-hmm. been a part of. So we can get to that point and we can say there's nothing growing here. Um, I also look at that and think what a great opportunity. Like you get to be selecting now what you want to have there. Mm-hmm. Um, many people will start in their yes list of what did I enjoy doing as a child that I've lost touch with. And they may discover like there's stuff I did with a child that as I did that I did as a child that I thought I enjoyed. But really like mom and dad told me that I enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Or my siblings told me that I enjoyed mm-hmm. this. It wasn't really me. Or like recently I was telling my kids about us when I was young. And um, my kids think my childhood stories are weird, but that's okay. <laughs> I'm like, it was the 1970s. It was a very different time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was talking to them about um, how I took baton lessons. Mm. Right? And they that were... weird. <laughs> <laughs> And it was and provided through the city. And you have never broken that out at a staff party. <laughs> I know. And <laughs> it, I, I don't plan, right? I do not plan to take that back up. But I did, did not lose all of my talent, right? What uh-huh. you learn at three and four and five kind of sticks with you. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I just kind of got some rod or something and I was kind of showing them what, <laughs> <laughs> what I learned as this child. And they, I mean, they're just looking at me. Clearly not impressed at right. all with my baton skills. Not that they have any. Um, Burn. But we were talking. <laughs> exactly. Um, but even, like I said, I, I have no intention of, I don't even know if I could take baton lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, because FYI, my kids find this hilarious. I also took trampoline lessons. No way. <laughs> And really, it was like tramp- not everybody had trampolines. Right. And so the one person who had the trampoline, they had a teenage girl, and she was like, I'll teach people and you she pay me. Right. Lessons. And yes. Awesome. <laughs> and it was silly because, like, it was like, okay, be jumping and then go down and land on your bum and come back up. Right. <laughs> that, that was week one. I already knew how to do that. I was advanced. Um, <laughs> but. Um, I, I just, as I was telling these stories to them, just kind of remembering that mm-hmm. girl and remembering some of her sassiness and mm-hmm. remembering just some of her, um, her attitude and just her energy, mm-hmm. it brought something back to me. Like, mm-hmm. I, like I said, I'm not going to, uh, I haven't yet, it's still winter. I haven't yet gone and got on our trampoline and I'm probably not taking baton lessons, but it Although awakened. I will be encouraging you to. <laughs> It awakened something in me that is good. Yeah, I love I love those experiences of, um, and and I think that's a really impactful yes list thing. Just remembering, just telling mm-hmm. some of those stories. Um, your yes list doesn't have to be this like measurable, performable. Um, Six like the way we define I success. At it. Yeah. Like, yeah, just even as you were talking about that, I was feeling some of that connection and that excitement. 
Um, and it made me wonder, like, what do I need to, like, what stories do I need to start telling my kids uh, from yeah. my childhood that will excite me again? <laughs> and make them look at you like, that was weird. <laughs> oh, there's so much that they look at me and like, that's weird. Um, but that's okay. Dads that's are right. supposed to be weird, I guess. Um, there's one other component of the yes list that I think is really important to look at. And I mentioned a little bit earlier, but those hopes and dreams, um, I think in addiction and in trauma, we get really used to a life that is just what it is. Mm. Like, this is what landed on my plate. And so this is what it's going to be. And I don't hope for anything. I don't dream for anything. Um, so again, that's something that I think can start early on in your recovery Mm -hmm. And the hope or the dream may be, like, I hope that I can go to a meeting and not feel like I want to crawl out of my skin. Mm-hmm. Um, or I hope that I can have a week where um, one out of seven days I'm proud to call my sponsor and talk about what's mm-hmm. going on. Um, those are things that when we begin recovery we don't possess, but we do learn to get. And I think we take it for granted that those are things that we've learned mm-hmm. and those are things that we... Um, have built into our lives. Yeah. Um, and then I think as we go on in recovery and we get more confidence in ourselves and our ability to keep our promises to ourselves and work for outcomes that we're proud of, we start dreaming bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen with a lot of my long-term recovery clients, we'll have those conversations that like, um, they'll say something like, I'm just astounded that my life looks the way that it does. I never would have thought when we started work together, I never would have thought mm-hmm. when I went into the recovery rooms the first time, that this would even be possible. Mm. And now I'm working toward that and it's not, it's like a no sweat kind of a thing. Which to me is, I mean, that's the power of recovery, right? The, to take the story of how things used to Mm -hmm. be and then to tell the story about how things are today Mm -hmm. and to see that transformation happen, right? And to see that awakening Mm -hmm. and that evolvement take place. Like those, those are good stories. Mm -hmm. Those are, and those are the stories in the rooms of recovery, Mm -hmm. right? Those are the stories of people, um, again, like taking maybe the mess of their life Mm -hmm. and then turning it into something meaningful and beautiful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was making me think, um, I think creativity and imagination are two really different things. And I know a lot of really creative addicts. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, creativity is taking what already exists and putting it together in new and novel ways. Yeah. Um, Imagination is more like creating something that never existed. Mm. And for a lot of the imaginative people that I know, it's creating something that never existed that's a reflection of what is in my soul. Yeah. Um, and, and what's unique about me and what right. I'm passionate about. And I think that yes list, especially when we will let ourselves dream in that, that's really what starts to awaken our imagination again. We're mm-hmm. not just dealing with known parts and new configurations. Right. Um, we're dealing with completely new things. Because that is the best. I mean, as you're describing that, I'm thinking that that's the best of childhood. Mm-hmm. Right. That like not necessarily knowing that, that there are limits mm-hmm. or that. So, so we're not thinking to ourselves, well, that's a dumb idea. Mm-hmm. Like somebody may say that to us, right? And and that's where that imaginative part of us starts to die. Yeah. But as an adult, can we reawaken that part of us that does imagine, that mm-hmm. starts to dream about what it could be? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you're, as you're talking about that, I, I want to call out to our audience. We want to hear about your experiences with three circles, whether Mm. it's things that you found really effective to monitor in your middle circle 
bottom lines that made a big difference for you, but especially what are the things that you're saying yes to that you love? Uh-huh. Um, and we'd love to do an episode based on what we hear from you sharing some of that. Yeah. Um, sharing the resources and sharing the wealth, I think that's something that I've loved using three circles in groups uh-huh. um, is the, the people that are communicating with each other about their three circles and their experience there. Um, they're waking things up in each other mm-hmm. and they're helping each other um, to deepen their recovery. So um, you can email that to us. Um, I don't even remember our email. Email it to john, J-O-N, dot healingpaths at gmail.com. There you go. Um, or if we have other contact information at the end of the episode, um, do that too. But we do want to hear from you on this. Remember at the end of this episode that your story matters. Remember there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story till it's finished. You can share your story on our Facebook page, Healing Paths Inc., or on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. And remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I am learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.